0: And now a reading from the Gospel according to Mark, the Easter story. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Jesus, and Salome brought spices so that they could go and anoint Jesus' dead body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they came to the tomb. They were saying to each other, who's going to roll the stone away from the entrance for us? When they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, and it was a very large stone. Going into the tomb, they saw a young man in a white robe seated on the right side, and they were startled. But he said to them, "'Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He isn't here. Look, here's the place where they laid him. Go!' Tell his disciples, especially Peter, that he is going ahead of you into Galilee. You will see him there, just as he told you. Overcome with terror and dread, they fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone, because they were afraid. Here ends the reading. May God grant us wisdom and courage interpretation. Well, this is the big day. A day for trumpets and timpani and beautiful dresses and colorful Easter bonnets and hats and, yes, flowers galore. This is the day when even those who love to play golf or read the newspaper on Sunday morning make their way to church. For clergy, it's like the Super Bowl, a full church, a great big choir, and a sea of smiling faces. Unless, of course, there's a global pandemic. I remember on one Easter, way before the pandemic, many years ago, a young man exiting the church building turned to me and said, you've got to love everything about Easter, even if it's just a fairy tale. And I suspect that some folks will always doubt the Easter story. Usually, uh, these folks tend to believe in their framework of thinking that there's only one way to believe in the resurrection, and you either believe it literally or you don't. So for them, for some people, it will always be fake news or misinformation because their minds are so steeped in rationalism or empiricism. They just can't break free from the idea that the resurrection story is somehow discredited or void of any real power if it didn't happen literally. Now I place no judgment on anyone for what they believe or don't believe about the resurrection. In fact, in this fellowship we welcome believers and skeptics and agnostics and atheists into this community, and actually I can sympathize a great deal with some of those sentiments of doubt. For years, even as a minister, I was a bit cold and even skeptical myself because Though I had been taught better ways of understanding the story in seminary than just A or B, I had only been taught in the local churches I grew up in, that I was a part of as a child, to view this story as historically, literally true or not true at all. There is, after all, so much bad news, literally, in this world. Stories about violent crime, and police violence against black and brown bodies, and political divisions, barbarians masquerading as patriots storming our nation's capital, and millions of people dead across the globe, over a half million in the United States alone, dead from COVID-19. With all the bad news, we wonder, where is the God of Easter? when tsunamis, tornadoes, or acts of terrorism occur. Where is the God of Easter during a global pandemic? And if this God were real, and if this God were good, and if this God was a God who is a God of resurrection, surely God would step in and do something about all this bad stuff happening. So it sometimes seems like we inhabit a Good Friday world, not an Easter one and that death and destruction get the final word. Well, the Easter story in the Gospel according to Mark doesn't exactly take an overly cheery approach to telling the story, and I think, as I said earlier, that's why it's my favorite. It notes that what happened on that first Easter was utterly shocking. Disorientation, darkness, confusion, fear, and uncertainty arose in the story Mark tells, and Mark tells us that Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome came to the tomb to see and anoint the body of Jesus, whom they loved. And as they approached the tomb, they looked up and saw that the stone, a huge, round stone, which must have weighed a thousand pounds, set like a coin on its side. And at first, they couldn't make out if the stone had been rolled away or not. Well, on the way to the tomb, they must have been asking themselves, how will we roll away the stone? Only Mark mentions this worry. Yet this is 2021, and we still share the women's worry. I suspect that each of us may well be worried, or have been worried, at some point in the past, if we spend a little time reflecting, about some immovable stone in our own lives. A stone that blocks our way, and keeps us from living the kind of life we would really like to live. For some of us, the stone is a weakness. Maybe we don't take care of our body the way that we should. We fail to exercise, or we eat the wrong stuff. And we know that we shouldn't, but we, in a weak moment, or an emotionally weak moment, or physically weak moment, we just give in and do it anyway. For others of us, the stone might be a moral matter. Maybe we're doing something wrong and we know that we shouldn't be doing it, and so our conscience is heavy and it stings. Maybe we are selling out a piece of our soul in order to move up the corporate ladder at work, or maybe we're selling a piece of who we really are to move up the ladder of standing in a social circle and gain some status. Maybe we've been hanging on to that grudge too long and it's eating away at us. Isn't it weird? Have you ever noticed most of the time we get in our heads that forgiveness is for the other person, but usually the ones doing the forgiving are the ones that end up getting really set free? Or maybe we've been undisciplined, and things in our lives have just piled up and become unorganized and overwhelming, and it's so embarrassing, we don't want anyone else to see it. We've been so sad for this pandemic, we've been so isolated, we've been so desperate, it... It has been all we can do just to survive. And now we feel trapped by it all, like a stone, and we can't even muster the energy to get started on the pile that awaits us. Still, for others, I find this more and more. Even our faith itself, we've done some deconstruction. But we haven't done the work on the positive side of faith and rebuilt with what we do believe. Now, we don't need to be certain about everything, but there's a certain amount of foundational stability, I think, is healthy as we move on in faith. Maybe we have need to do some work about what we really believe about God, or maybe about ourselves, or how the world works on the positive side of things. What do we believe? We know what we don't believe, but what do we believe? What are we for, not just against. That can be like a stone. For others, maybe the stone is something that has already occurred in our lives. You know, in the past, an irreversible, physical, permanent stone, it seems, has been rolled across our path. And we have had a heart attack and received some kind of a bad health diagnosis. Maybe our stamina, our energy, or maybe our memory, or our mind, our thinking are not what they used to be. It's reminded us of how our mortality is just right there, and it shapes how we see everything. Maybe that stone blocks our way, and it prevents us from leading the kind of life that we really want to live, the kind of life God really wants us to live. Well, maybe you don't have a stone like that you can recognize at the moment, and I hope that you don't, but I think everyone at some point or another in our life's journey has something we just can't seem to get rid of or roll away, almost like a tombstone, and it blocks us from the kind of lives that we really dream of living. Well, if you pay attention to the stones on along your way in your life's journey, then I think it's easier to sympathize with the women who went to visit Jesus' tomb and the story that morning, feeling weak and helpless and wondering Who will roll away that stone? Mark's Gospel says that when they looked up, they saw that the stone had already been away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, but they were alarmed. He said to them, Do not be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. So you see the tomb was empty, And there, in the half-light of that early morning, something incredible and completely inexplainable and unexpected had taken place. And that, my friends, is the power of Easter. I would be the last person on earth to ever ask you to check your brain at the door when you think about your faith or when you read the Bible. I want to be clear, that's not what I'm asking you to do here at all, but sometimes, in order to grasp a bigger truth, we must think less like 17th and 18th century Christians and somehow embrace the story in a more spiritual, less literal way in order to let the truth soak in. Perhaps a way less about molecules and DNA and more about the larger-than-life truths that are so powerful in this story and bring such an amazing impact if we let them sink in. You know, the Swiss theologian Karl Barth said that the good news of God has one word written on every page, the word, nevertheless. In a world where evil and suffering occur, God says, nevertheless, because the worst thing is never the last thing. Pharaoh and the Egyptians, had oppressed and horrifically mistreated the Hebrew slaves. Nevertheless, God raised up Moses, who helped to set the Hebrews free. Mary was young and not married, but the stories of our faith tell us that she bore a son that would change the course of history. And Easter is part of his story. A crippled man, set for 20 years, beside a pool of Siloam famous for its healing waters, but he remained crippled. Nevertheless, Jesus said, get up and walk. And he took his first steps and was healed. A crowd of 5,000 gathered to hear Jesus preach. They were terribly hungry, and Jesus had only five loaves and two fish. Nevertheless, as the story goes, there was enough to go around, for the bigger truth is that there is always enough to go around, so long as the ones holding on to the bags the resources, are willing to share with others. Or the time a woman who suffered from a blood flow for three decades, it seemed hopeless. Nevertheless, she touched the hem of Jesus' garment, as the story is told, and was healed. Lazarus lay in a tomb for three days, his corpse rotting, maybe even starting to smell bad. Nevertheless, Jesus cried, Lazarus, come out, and he did. Peter denied Jesus three times before his crucifixion. Nevertheless, Jesus forgave him and invited him to lead the church. Saul persecuted and killed Christians. Nevertheless, God transformed him into a great leader, renamed him Paul, and he became a fabulous theologian, though far from a perfect man. It's happened throughout all of history. Our grandparents thought that polio and the measles would last forever. Nevertheless, vaccines were developed, and these diseases are virtually history. And someday, I hope and pray that COVID-19 will be history as well, thanks to the vaccines. The Berlin Wall and the Soviet Union, they seemed cold and solid as stone. Nevertheless, they crumbled and fell. A teacher wrote, That a certain student wasn't very smart. He never applied himself and had no future. Nevertheless, Winston Churchill grew up and went on to make some very important history. Perhaps you've had some nevertheless moments in your own life. Things were dark. Maybe you had a stone blocking all the light from your perspective. Now, I'm not saying that everything bad that ever happens to us will just magically go away one day. Sometimes it's more difficult and complex than that. But even as darkness lingers in the shadows and recesses, the sun still rises every single day. And again and again, hope is alive. We see this in the world around us every single day. Climate change now threatens life on our planet as we know it. But again and again, good people are working to turn things around. Gun violence proliferates across our country. But again and again, God's good people are working to ensure that our streets will become safer. George Floyd was killed in broad daylight. But again and again, God's good people are striving to work for justice and equality and positive change. The gap between the rich and the poor has never been greater at any point in our nation's history than it is right now. But again and again, God's good people are bringing the light and working to bridge the gap. Friends, we are called to help roll away the stones. Someone is convinced the stone in their life is there to stay. Because they are standing so close to the stone, all they can see is darkness and shadows and nothing else. Again and again, we as the good people of God must respond to the call of God, to roll the stones away for others so that they can see that in fact the sun was always shining just on the other side of that stone. They lost perspective from being so close to their own stone for so long. I have a question for you about Mark's Easter story. Was the stone rolled away before they got there? Was it covering the grave's opening or not? Now, if you read it carefully, that part is unclear, isn't it? I mean, what if they just assumed it was covering the opening to the tomb? Because, number one, that's what these stones were supposed to do, and it was customary to have some strong people around to let the people who came to treat the body and embalm it get in. Or, number two... It was still fairly dark, and they just couldn't see very clearly yet. I suppose there's no way to be certain. Other gospel accounts of this Easter story tell it a little differently. The details are not exactly the same. But as for this account in Mark's gospel, I like to imagine that it was that it was dark when they got there, and they just couldn't see. And then when the sun shone its light onto the stone and the grave's opening it became apparent that the stone had already been rolled away. Now what's so ironic is that many of us spend years in the dark trying to wrap our minds around this Easter story and resurrection or else writing it off because it just seems too far-fetched to us. But if we would only look in the mirror a little while in the light of day, we would see that Jesus' body has not been lost and that he's very much alive because we, dear friends, are his body. We are the church together and we are Jesus' hands. We are Jesus' feet. We are the hopers and the dreamers and the stone rollers and the healers sent forth in his name. And Jesus is alive because we are his body, dear friends. So watch and wait in the half-light of the early morning this Easter day. Jesus is stirring, reminding us that no matter what dead ends we may face, we have reason to hope. Over and over things look very dark, but every single day, Again and again, the sun rises, and eventually, the shadows disperse. Alleluia. 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 alleluia, Amen.